God, we are grateful for the gift that it is to come together on this day to ready our hearts and our minds for what it is that you might have to reveal to us, guide us toward, invite us into. And so we ask that you would meet us here in this space and that you would clear away all those things that crowd into our hearts and our minds and compete for our attention so that we can be centered and open and ready to receive it. Speak through me because of me and maybe also a little bit in spite of me too so that your word might be heard and that we might leave this space strangely comforted but also challenged, deeply um, reminded of your love and your sense of purpose and activity in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you've ever seen an image associated with our passage today that was read earlier by Justin, it would have likely looked something like this. And while that certainly captures the overall sentiment in a way, or the tradition anyway, when I think of those astrological scientists from the East, I prefer to picture this guy. That great modern science communicator, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who somehow makes me feel like I too might be able to grasp the finer points of quantum mechanics. And so it was to Dr. Tyson I turned when I started thinking about this star and those ancient astrophysicists from the East um, uh, and that they, they spotted in the sky. Now, I learned not so long ago that we've got at least one NASA engineer in this congregation, and I'm not sure if he's here, but um, I'm just going to do my best to stay in my lane just in case, right? <laughs> um, so contrary to popular belief, neither Bradley Cooper nor Lady Gaga are rem remotely involved with the moment a star is born. As best I've grasped, stars are formed in a way that would delight any middle schooler. Let's say the universe had a hearty bowl of bean soup, and eventually clouds of gas form and float around. They multiply, start bumping into one another, and then something, maybe a hiccup caused by an exploding star nearby, or a turn in the ro galaxy's rotation, whatever it is, it triggers something that makes the gas cap clouds pile into one another. Eventually, there is no more space to crowd in, and the pressure is so intense that these gas clouds start collapsing into one big mass. And at some point, like a celestial love story, two hydrogen atoms find each other in the midst of the chaos and choose to melt into one another. The process is called nuclear fusion, and that is when a star is born. Ask me how many times I had to read through various papers to understand that process and distill it down for you. Now, I'm 100% sure that those scientists were unaware of this particular process. However, what they did observe, which is what all good scientists do observe, was that something new had appeared in the sky. And this means that something big had happened. Now, if you're familiar with divinity stories across ancient Rome and the Near East, which I know you all are, then you would know that typically the birth stories of important people like kings and emperors often featured some sort of astral event in the sky, a comet or the appearance of something strange and new. Um, and so on the one hand, this was one of the ways in which rulers asserted their divine authority. Um, and on others, it serves as like a really sick plot twist in the story of Jesus's birth. The scientists arrive in Bethlehem with gifts as they would for any notable birth to the obvious seat of power, Herod's throne room, and gush with celebrations for this newborn king of the Jews, to which Herod is thinking, uh, I am the king of the Jews. Whoops. And off they go. But not before noting the iron hardness in Herod's eyes. The thing about stars, and you might know this, is that they have a lifespan. 
once the fuse is lit, when that initial nuclear fusion ignites, a countdown begins. Two hydrogen atoms fuse to become helium, creating heat and energy and the first flickers of starlight. This is the core of the star. But that heat and energy, it draws the other elements in. They're kind of like, we want to check out and see what's going on. And so over the next one million years, as they get closer, they begin to fuse with the helium core. They're like, yeah, I want in on this, right? So, so then the, the he, carbon joins um, and burns for about 100,000 years, uh, and then it becomes oxygen. And oxygen burns for about 10,000 years through to neon, to magnesium, to silicon. And then from there, from silicon, which leads to sulfur, and sulfur leads to argon, and argon leads to calcium. Calcium, calcium leads to titanium, titanium leads to chromium, and chromium, chromium leads to iron, which is the end of the line. With each added element, the star gets heavier and hotter, more dense and more intense, until one day the last coal has been burned, the last element has fused, and there is nothing left but iron. Now our story began just one chapter earlier before the star was born when two elements of faith, a young girl and a God who loved her, fused a yes to create the core of a new being and a new thing. And the heat of that yes drew a burning yes from Joseph, which led to a burning yes from Elizabeth and Zechariah, and eventually a chorus of yeses from a host of heavenly angels which triggered a yes from the shepherds um, and they, that they sang to, and then to a cohort of foreigners from Babylon, burning, fusing, collapsing into one another until they reach Herod. Herod, a puppet king of Rome whose only role was to keep his people in check long enough that Rome could continue to consume, extract, and dispose of that and those which were no longer needed. Herod, whose fragility of ego was only outsized by the paranoia which led him to slaughter all the children under two years old and behead John the Baptist to satisfy his wife. Herod, whose title, King of Judea, was all he had left because he had given up all who he was for all of what he could get. Herod, where there are no more yeses but only hard and impenetrable iron. And there's a good reason for this. The times were thick with a restless unease. Rome's strategy of peace by any means necessary had cultivated 400 years of brutality, suppression, and spiritual bankruptcy among anyone who might be able to do anything. And all of this bred a deep and increasing desire for a Messiah that would save them from all of this mess. And it wasn't just the people of Israel. Even the people of Rome longed for salvation. And so in the midst of all of this, those who might be able to see what couldn't easily be seen, who had access to special stores of knowledge, those folks were at a premium. And so even though the practice of astrological readings were condemned throughout Hebrew scriptures, Judaism of the time even was deeply influenced by its prevalence. And then layered onto this is probably the most important bit of background, an ancient prophecy by Balaam's um, donkey of a promise that a star coming from Jacob will crush Israel's enemies and oppressors. 
So this prophecy animated the imagination of the, um, Israel's, uh, the Israel diaspora, which meant that it also was vivid in Herod's imagination because he's always constantly wondering who's going to come and take away his toys. Now, on one hand, these scientists really didn't have a dog in the fight, right? And their initial conversation with Herod didn't clue them in. Um, if it didn't clue them in, they would soon very clearly realize that they stood at this intersection of two very different visions of empire with a choice to make. Fortunately, they didn't get to be who they are without practices that cultivate broad perspective. And perspective is what we're talking about today. So here we are at the beginning of a new year. Maybe you've set your intentions or are on day eight of your 21-day new, new habit, right? Perhaps it's a placebo effect, but there's something about the official turning of 365 that feels meaningful enough to kind of intentionally hit the reset or restart button in some way. And whether it is the prophet Jeremiah reminding us that God's mercies are new every morning or God de declaring, I am making all things new, there are plenty of reminders throughout scripture that we can begin again. So today and in the weeks to come, we'll reflect on the ways that we might position ourselves to begin again. What does it take? What do we need to think about? Um, what might we need to change in order to make that happen? Maybe you're wondering what's next in work or education, or perhaps you're feeling stuck in relationship patterns or mental pathways. Beginning again is a way to pursue the truth that we are made on purpose for a purpose. And so this brings me back to those poor three scientists who found themselves caught up in what became a high stakes political situation. On the one hand, this isn't their problem, right? They're just a bunch of out of towners. They could claim a nonpartisan stance and go back the way they came. But on the other hand, it is their problem because it came to them. They saw, in Herod's, they saw Herod's eyes and they know what they had dreamed. In cultivating a perspective that is bigger and broader than the present moment, they could understand that they were participating in something much bigger than any one of them. And because they understood this, they also understood that they were now no longer just foreign emissaries bearing gifts, they had a purpose in the midst of all of this that now included the protection of this unlikely young king and the future he was to bring about. So they took the long way home. When a star burns through to iron, there is nothing left to burn and the star dies. But that's not the end. After burning with an unimaginable heat, the star begins to cool. And this cooling effect causes the star to explode with a brilliant burst of light that is so bright for a moment it can outshine other galaxies and radiate more energy than our sun will in its entire lifetime. And when the heat and light and brilliance has subsided, what is left is an entirely new nuclei, which is to say the most basic element with which all of creation is made. In other words, when a star reaches the end of its life, it explodes out with elements that make new life. You and I have those elements within us, actually. Scientists have conducted measurements and claim that 90% of the human body consists of what is essentially stardust. Now, in order to comprehend our purpose, we must fix our perspective. We must first fixed our perspective to not only understand that we must be for each other, 
but also that we are of each other. That, as another great science communicator, Carl Sagan, put it, the, the nitrogen in our DNA, the calcium in our teeth, the iron in our blood, the carbon in our apple pies were made in the interiors of collapsing stars. We are made of star stuff. The cosmos is within us, and we are a way for the universe to make itself known, which is like very meta, right? <laughs> um, and so I invite you to sit with the wonder of that, the bigness of that, and recognizing the smallness of who you are in the midst of that, and yet the interconnectedness of yourself among one another. To allow that to change your perspective as you begin this new year. That you are part of something so much bigger than you will ever know. And also, you are just one part of it. So let us begin again by perspective making by remembering our connectedness, that God formed humans from the same stuff of creation as everything else, as Genesis tells us. And let us look up at the stars, which, most, which burn most brightly in our darkest skies. If you've ever been in the mountains, you know what I'm talking about. To be reminded that we belong to one another, that the very universe we see is the universe within us. Let it inspire you. Let it humble you. And let it remind you that like every bit of stardust which spun out into the universe to form a new planet or another star, that you too can begin again. Let us pray. God, we celebrate the wonder of who you are and the wonder that you have made us from. We don't claim to understand that, and yet somehow we claim the gift of that because you invite us to it. Let it help us pull us ourselves out of those mental spaces which keep our worlds small and our perspectives narrow in, in, perspectives narrow in ways that hamstring us for your purpose in our lives. Help us to step back, to broaden our perspective, and in that broadening, have a sense of where it is that you might le be leading us. We invite your spirit to be active in that space so that something new can happen as we begin again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.